This audio sermon is brought to you by the House of Intercessory Prayer Ministries. For more information, please visit www.hipm.org. This morning here we are going to start another series and it's called Temple Builders. Temple Builders. You know, most of the ancient religions are filled with examples of buildings and shrines as houses for idols and gods and goddesses. Now, many religionists, they believe that spirits live in trees, in rocks, in caves, and also in others, you know, people call it as sacred groups where spirits can hide and live. The Egyptians, they worshipped most of the nature. They worshipped even crocodiles. They worshipped anim- different animals. They worshipped cats and cows and birds and beetles. They worshipped many animals and insects and various objects they could see around. The Greeks and Romans, they assigned to their gods huge mansions, the splendid mansions and palaces as their dwelling place. So it was a belief, strong belief, that God and goddesses live in buildings, in temples and shrines and even in trees and in nature. But the God revealed in the Bible is fundamentally different from the other gods and other goddesses which we talked about. He doesn't need a house or temple to dwell in. He says in Isaiah chapter 66 verse 1. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 1 he says thus says the Lord we may have that on the screen thus says the Lord heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool where is the house that you will build me it's a question and where is the place of my rest God is looking at mankind and he's telling us you think that you can contain me within a building You think that you can build a huge temple and you can cover, close me within that. God is asking, he's asking us, where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? You know, in the days of Moses, if you just turn back and see, the tabernacle was considered as a place of God's dwelling. The tabernacle is referred 139 times in the Old Testament. Primarily in Exodus, in the book of Exodus and in Numbers. And out of the 139 times, 100 times it is referred as the dwelling place of God. When Moses was asked to build the tabernacle, he built the tabernacle and every time when they enter into it, they see the glory of God dwelling in that place. In Exodus chapter 29, Verse 44, word of God says, Exodus 29, 44. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me and as priests. Verse 45, I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. I will dwell among the children of Israel and I will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. 
You know, God always wanted to dwell among people. He was dwelling in the tabernacle. And the history says there were quite a few temples of God was built, were built in the past. You know, if you remember when David was a king, he had a great desire to build a temple for God. We read that in First Chronicles chapter 17. We'll probably not go there. God told him that he is not going to build the temple. In fact, his son Solomon is going to build the temple. When Solomon built the temple, the word of God came to Solomon. We read that in 1 Kings chapter 6 verse 13. And he says, God says, And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. When he built the temple, the word of God came to Solomon and Solomon said, I will dwell among the children of Israel and I will not forsake my people Israel. You know, God is a God who dwells among people. So in the Old Testament days, we see the temple which was built by Solomon. And if you know the history, that temple was eventually destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar in 587 BC. Nebuchadnezzar, as he took the children of Israel as captive to Babylon, he also made sure that temple of God was totally destroyed. Now later on, Cyrus, the king of Persia, and Darius, the king of the Medes, they together helped to build the temple of God. We read that in Ezra, the book of Ezra chapter 1-2. We'll not go there. Ezra chapter 1, there we find out Cyrus, the king of Persia, was taking initiative to build the temple of God. But you know what? That construction was very slow because people were brought from Babylon as they were living in captivity for a long time. They were just brought back into Israel. And they were all trying to build a wall around Jerusalem, if you remember. They were all busy building a wall around Jerusalem for their safety and protection. And they were also working towards their livelihood. Because they wanted to settle down. And the work of God, the temple of God, building the temple of God was very, very slow. And eventually, we see the book of Ezra, Zerubbabel, he resumed the work of God. The building the temple of God in the reign of Darius, the king of the Medes. So eventually the second temple was built by Zerubbabel. And the temple that was built by Zerubbabel eventually was desecrated by, as the history goes, by a man by name Antiochus Epiphanes. He desecrated the temple of God in 168 BC by sacrificing pigs on the altar of the temple of God. And eventually that temple, the second temple was destroyed. And later on, much later in the history, in 19 BC, few years before the birth of Lord Jesus Christ, in the 18th year of reign of King Herod, he decided to build the temple of God. He appointed 10,000 skilled laborers and he made them to build the temple of God as it written by the historian Josephus. You know, as the laity or the congregation couldn't enter into the holy places of the temple of God, history says, he appointed 1,000 Levites and he trained them as masons and carpenters and he trained them and he sent them into the holy place of the temple of God and he asked them to continue the construction in the temple of God. And eventually this temple was built. 
And that as the construction was carried over by the Levites, the services and the sacrifices were not interrupted. They were continuing. The third temple was eventually built. And if you remember, this was the temple as Jesus was ministering. In the time of Jesus, the temple which was there was built by King Herod. <clears throat> and this temple eventually, very soon it was destroyed in AD 70 by a Roman emperor by name Titus. He completely destroyed the third temple. And now, if you, if you know the history, there is no temple in Jerusalem yet. For the last 2000 years, there was no temple in the city of Jerusalem. But as the history goes, today there are two more temples, as Bible says, two more temples are yet to be built. And one we call it as a temple during the time of tribulation. The temple that is mentioned in Revelation chapter 11. And that's the temple built by the Jews to regather all the Jews in the city of Jerusalem. And that temple, the construction of that temple is about to begin. And in that temple, Antichrist is going to come and sit during the time of tribulation. We read that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. That's the temple the Antichrist is going to come and sit. So that temple is not built, but it is about to be built. There is an institute called the Temple Institute, which was founded in the year 18. 1987, not far away, not just quite a few years back, 1987, an institute by name Temple Institute. And this institute is responsible to raise public awareness about the Holy Temple, which is about to be built. And also they have a responsibility, they have taken the responsibility to rebuild the Holy Temple in our own time. So the Temple Institute is very much in functional and it is about to begin the building of the temple of God. You know, when we talk about this, it all tells us that we are living in end times. At any moment, the coming of the Lord can be. At any moment, Antichrist's reign will begin. The institute has already completed the sacred uniform of Kohen Gedal. Kohen Gedal is the high priest they have identified for this particular temple. They have already completed the uniform for the high priest. And this project was the result of many years of study and research. These Jewish rabbis they made over the history and over the word of God. And much of the history written by you know, historians like Josephus. And they arrived at exactly what needed to be done in order to bring the temple of God, rebuild the temple of God. The high priest coercion or the breastplate and the ephod have been already completed. And most recently, the, the tizits, the tizits is the golden crown the high priest has, that is completed. And also on April 10th, 2014, this year, the first course that prepares the priest was started by the Temple Institute. The temple, the, 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 the tribulation temple is already on its way. The tribulation temple will eventually destroyed after the seven years of tribulation by the coming of the Lord. We read that in the, book, in, in the prophetical book of Zechariah chapter 14 verse 4. 
the tribulation temple will be destroyed word of God says as the Lord comes down from heaven after the tribulation of course he comes as in the in rapture in a secret coming before this tribulation starts to take the church but then Lord God Jesus comes back to this world to establish his throne for the thousand years of reign he will come after the seven years of tribulation and the way he is going to come he's going to come publicly everybody is going to see him word of God records in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 4 says and his feet will touch Mount Olives and when his feet is touching Mount Olives, what of God says, Mount Olives is going to split into two from east, from the east to the west. And it is going to create a large valley. And these topographical changes are going to destroy the temple of God. It is going to swallow up the whole city, in fact. And it prepares Jerusalem for the millennial reign of Lord Jesus Christ. So we are talking about the fourth temple, the tribulation temple will be built or it is, about, it is already being built and eventually it will be destroyed at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fifth temple, the millennial temple. When Jesus Christ comes back to this world and when he reigns on this earth for a thousand years, there will be a temple of God. The book of Ezekiel talks about it. In fact, Ezekiel, quite a few chapters from chapter 40 to 48. All these chapters talk about the millennial temple of God. And God Almighty is going to be seated as the King of Kings and Lords of Lords. And He is going to reign over. What of God also talks about the eternal temple. And this temple is going to be here for a thousand years. And then the eternal heaven. The temple spoken in the book of Revelation. Let's read a couple of scriptures there. Revelation 3, 12. Revelation chapter 3 verse 12 says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. God is talking about a temple in the heavenly realms. And the overcomers will be made as a pillar in the temple of God in Revelation 3, 12. Let's go to another scripture. Revelation 7, 15. Revelation 7.15, word of God says, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. So, word of God in the book of Revelation talks about the temple of God and which is the temple which will be in the heavenly realm. One more scripture, Revelation 11.19. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven. So, there is a temple of God which will be opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. As the spirit of God was taking John through the vision, God is opening the temple of God in heaven and showing him the ark of the covenant being there. So word of God talks about the temple of God which will eventually be there in the heavenly realms. But when all these things come to an end, before we really start the eternity, word of God says something which is very, very interesting. We read that in the book of Revelation chapter 21. Verse 2, verse 10, and verse 22. Read that for you. Revelation 21, verse 2 says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And verse 10 says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. 
That's the holy city where we all will be eventually. We will be living with the Lord forever and ever. Verse 22 says, But I saw no temple in it. Eventually in the eternity, word of God says, There will be no temple. And it continues, For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Can you even imagine? Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So we don't need another temple over there. But God himself is the temple. And we will be sitting in front of him and we will be worshipping the Lord forever and ever. You know, during the time of Lord Jesus Christ, as I said, the temple that existed was the temple built by King Herod. And that was eventually destroyed by Titus, the Roman emperor, in AD 70. Since then, as I said, until today, the temple of God is not reconstructed in the city of Jerusalem. Now, I just gave a brief overview on the temple of God. Let's look into some of the New Testament teachings, especially as Luke records in the book of Acts, saying the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. Let's read Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 7, verses 48 to 50. Word of God says, However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. As the prophet says, he is quoting to Isaiah the prophet, chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. And he is saying, Heaven is my throne. God said this, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me? Says the Lord. Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? And the writer of Acts, he says in Acts chapter 7, 48, However, the Most High does not dwell in the temples made with hands. God doesn't dwell in the temple made with hands anymore. That's why eventually we, we see there is no temple in the eternity. Let's listen to some of the teachings of Paul, what he says. He brings totally a different aspect to the temple of God. Let's read that from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 16 to 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. Paul writes here, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are. We talked about the tabernacle in the wilderness. We talked about the temple built by Solomon. We talked about the temple built by King Cyrus and Darius. And we talked about the temple built by King Herod. And we also talked about the tribulation built temple which are which is the building is about to begin we also talked about the millennial temple we also saw a temple as John was seeing in heaven but we also heard God telling us that there will be no temple because God Almighty and the Lamb will be the temple of God in the eternity but now here Paul writes he says do you not know that you are the temple of God you know the temple of God was brought it's such a huge dimension it is brought it is brought into a miniature size of you and me today and God says here through Paul he says do you not know that you are the temple of God in 1st Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 he says Paul again writes or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you 
whom you have from God and you are not your own. You belong to God. You are the temple of God. You are the, you are the temple where the spirit of God resides. What, is that? what amazing revelation it is. In Ephesians 2, 19, he again says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, verse 22, in whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What Paul is trying to say is, your foundation is your cornerstone, chief cornerstone is Christ Jesus. And you are laying your foundation on the teachings of the apostles. You know, that's why the teachings of the Bible is very, very important. You know, if you neglect the teachings of the Word of God, we don't have a foundation. If you don't study the word of God clearly, we built our Christian life on nothing. Can we build a Christian life? Can we build a home in the air? No, we need a foundation. That's the reason we need to know the teachings of the apostles. How do we know? We need to be in the Bible study. How do we know? We need to read the word of God. How do we know? We need to hear the word of God. We need to understand the word of God. So here Paul says, you put the foundation and put chief cornerstone. As Christ Jesus. Any building has a cornerstone. So the cornerstone is Christ Jesus. And all the other foundation stones are the teachings of the pastors. And over that you build your house. You build in fact not the house but the temple. You are all joined together as the members of one body. You are all joined together and you are built as a temple. You know that's the New Testament definition for a temple. It's our own body. Our own being is the temple of God. When we join together, we form collectively as a temple of God. The scripture tells us that we are the temple of God. We are built together as temple of God. The New Testament concept of the temple of God is our whole being, our body, our soul, and our spirit. As they together reside in our lives, we become the temple of God. You know, I'm really fascinated to see some of the mighty men and women of God. They were used in a mighty way in the process of building the temple of God. The kind of temples which we talked about. Moses, let's name a few of them. Moses in the wilderness. King David and King Solomon. Nehemiah, the governor. Ezra, the priest and the scribe. Kings like Cyrus and Darius. The king of Judah by name Jehoshaphat. The prophets like Haggai and Zechariah. The high priests like Joshua. Governor of Judah like Zerubbabel. You know, they all played a vital role in building of God's temple. They are called the temple builders. You know, as we name the series Temple Builders, in the coming days we are going to see how God used some of these mighty men to build the temple of God. But in the New Testament, as the temple is referred to you and me, God is calling us to build human temples. Don't get it me wrong. God is asking us to build human temples. God, in fact, is asking us to build lives in Christ so that they will be built up like temple of God. 
God is asking us to bring lives in Christ and build them, teach them, work on their lives so that their lives will be built as temple of God. The Spirit of God can reside in their lives. You know, that doesn't mean that I'm the temple of God today and God resides me in me. Why should I go to church? Right? That question comes. If I'm the temple of God, I can do everything my, within me because God resides within me. Why should I go to church? And that's where we need to understand temple of God is different, totally different from church. Temple of God and church are totally different aspects. In the New Old Testament, God's glory dwelled in the tabernacle. Then the temples made with hands. All the temples made with hands. But in the New Testament, through the provision that Christ made at the cross, God's glory dwells within us. As we are the human temple. In the New Testament, it is not about a building but it is all about the gathering of the children of God. The gathering of the children of God. In Acts chapter 2 verse 47. Word of God says, Acts 2 47. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Lord added to the church. Probably the term church is getting introduced there. In the same way, the writer of Hebrew writes in Hebrews chapter 10 25. He talks about not forsaking the assembling of saints. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. He's talking about the church gathering. He says, do not forsake the assembling of saints. It is true that God resides in you. You are the temple of God. But still, do not forsake the assembling of saints. And these scriptures really tell us that we need to assemble as a church. We need to assemble as a church. You know, church is not a building. Whereas the temple, what we saw in the Old Testament, they are buildings. But church is not a building. It is gathering of the children of God. The same glory that came in the, inside the tabernacle. The same glory that came as Solomon was dedicating the temple of God. The same glory comes as individually, as individual temples of God. When we gather together in God's presence, the same glory comes. That's what we are experiencing even when we are praying together. The same glory today comes when as children of God, when we come together. Of course it is within us. But when we two of us come together, and Jesus said, when two of you come together, I am there in the midst. Why did he say that? Because he said that because it is so important that we need to come together. We need to come together. If someone says that I can, I know how to deal with, I can be all alone. I can be, you know, somewhere all alone, isolating myself. I can do things with God. Word of God doesn't say that. Word of God says that very clearly. When two of you come together, I come in the midst of you. When you are alone, I will be with you. But word of God also says, instructs us that we need to come together. So temple of God is different from the church gathering. Church is not a building, but it is a people of God coming together in his presence. It really doesn't matter where we have church. We can church have church in the basement. We can have church maybe just gathering near the side of the road, gathering together and singing songs and praying. Church, the building is not important. That's why we are living in such a building now. The building doesn't really matter. But what matters is people coming together in the presence of God. 
people coming together in the presence of God. But certainly we need a building. We need a building, at least for the, from the sun, at least from the snow. We need to hide ourselves. We need, a, we need a building to worship the Lord. That's why we have a building. We are thinking about being, you know, having a bigger building. Why we need to have a bigger building? We need more people there. We want to have a clean atmosphere. Why? Because we serve a holy God. We want to make things holy. But as such, this building doesn't have anything in it. Even if it is a church building, you know, we have a practice in some of our nations when we walk in front of the church, just stand in the front of the church and draw a cross. It doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't make any sense at all. That is just a building. That is just a building. That holiness comes within it when people of God comes together. When people of God walks in holiness, when they come together, then they call, when they call upon the name of God, the presence of God comes inside. Otherwise, all that we see inside the church is that quietness. That comes from where? That comes because it's a huge building. It is quiet within it. It doesn't mean that God is always there. You know, today people tend to go to the, such a quiet places and they think that they are meditating, thinking that God is there. God is not there unless you carry God within you. You know, when we carry God within us, God is there. So when children of God gather together, that's where the church, so temple and church, they are totally different aspects. You know, God is much more than the temple. God is much more than the church, what we think today. You know, when there are lives around us, when they are brought into the presence of God, when they are preached with the gospel and when they accept the presence of God in their lives, God comes and resides in them. The spirit of God comes and dwells in them and they become the temple of God. You know, that's the reason we say today you and I are called to build temples. Not big churches, but individual lives. To touch individual lives. You know, today different denominations, they build temple of God. We respect all the denominations. They, uh, they teach the word of God today in the purest way. They all build the temple of God. But most of the time we may say that, you know, our teachings are right. That's how every denomination say. Our teachings are right. But you know what? The word of God very clearly tells everything will be tested by, by fire. Everything will be tested by fire. Let's read the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 1st Corinthians chapter 3 verses 10 to 17 let's start reading 1st Corinthians chapter 3 verse 10 according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder I have laid the foundation and another builds on it but let each one take heed how he builds on it Paul says, I lay the foundation and someone else comes and he builds over it. But let him be careful on how he builds. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If somebody is telling you that there is another way to reach God, that is wrong. That is totally wrong. Jesus Christ is the only foundation. And then he goes on saying, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. 
because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. What God is trying to tell us today? People think that. It really doesn't matter. I'm seeking God Almighty, but I may seek in different ways. No, it matters. It really matters how we are built. People think that cornerstone is Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how we built. No, it matters how we built. It matters how we are built. How we are built. It depends on where we are, in which church we are, what are the teachings we are listening to. It is important. That's how we are built. Because one day, the fire is going to tell us how we are built. If we are able to withstand, we will survive. If we are not able to withstand, the fire will consume us. It all depends how we are built. In what way we are taught. You know, I believe the days are gone. We thought that it is for me and for my family and for my church. God is asking us to build lives around us. You know, God has called each and every one of us as architects, as designers, as carpenters, as masons, as plumbers and electricians, you know, whatever we can name in the building project. We are called to lay the foundation that is Jesus Christ. And we are called to share and perfect and edify and comfort each other so that we will be built together over on the solid foundation that is Christ Jesus. And yesterday, as I mentioned, when we were in the small group, you know, I saw, really saw the way God was using people. Now, they are my witness. The way God was using every one of us, each one had something to share. And there was a, the, 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 that sharing was really an encouragement. The end of the session, one was telling me, you know, I need such, a, such, a, such an atmosphere because I want to learn. I want to learn the correct things of, from people, those who are you know, doing things in the right way. And it was a good time of learning. I'm learning a lot of things. Really thank God for that kind of atmosphere. God is using all of us. God is using all of us. As they were praying together, it was a time of a ministry. They were all just holding hands and praying for each other. You know, the New Testament days, especially the last days when we are living, it is no more the priest and the congregation, but it is everyone is called as a priest by God. It is no more one teaches and all the others follow. It is everybody teaching and all of us following together. There is a lot of things we learn from each other. God has invested already in our lives. It is no more only those who are called because what of God says everybody is called. We need to receive his calling. We need to accept his calling and move forward. It is not anymore only those who are anointed. The anointing of God is for everybody. We need to receive that anointing. God wants to use us to build his kingdom. To build his temple. The freedom Christ brought into our lives gives us the authority to build someone in Christ Jesus. You know today, 
we cannot continue to build our own temple. Of course, we need to build our own temple. Our own life in Christ needs to be built by us. But that's not enough. We also need to build other lives who are around us. Because the quality of the workmanship has an eternal consequence. But because of that, we need to do that with utmost care. You know, we need to build suddenly on the cornerstone that is Christ Jesus. We need to build on the teaching of the apostles because the material which we use to build will be eventually tested by fire. So what do we, how do we build our lives? On what teachings we build our lives? It is very, very important. On what teaching we give to others? It is very, very important because it is having eternal consequences. The way we built, the material we used. Therefore, we need to build our lives and the lives around us in discipline. With more diligence, in total obedience and according to the word of God. You know, I really don't know what need we are in today. But God tells us this morning that we all have a role in God's kingdom. We have a role in God's kingdom. God is more interested in making our lives and making my life as his temple. God is more interested to make others as temple of God. God wants to open the avenue in our home, in our workplaces, in our community so that God can raise temples of God Think about if in our community, if there are many temples of God, many lives, those who have accepted Lord Jesus Christ. Word of God says, I will dwell among you. Think about God the Father dwelling in the community in Beachville and Lakeside. How it will be. When the, every car that passes through, people who are traveling that car, they will be saved by the time they pass through Beachville and Lakeside because God dwells. And how God makes this place as his dwelling place, we need to have more temples of God. We need to have more lives accepting Lord Jesus Christ. And who will do that? You and me. You and me. God has given us that responsibility. How do we bring the temple of God in our own house? Someone in our house is not accepted Jesus Christ yet. It. God is expecting you to put the foundation that is the chief cornerstone. God is expecting you to build the temple with the materials that is given in your hands, the teachings of the apostles. And eventually we'll see the temple of God coming in our own house, coming in our own family, in our own church, in our own community. God wants to use us. God wants to use every one of us. Whether we have talents or we don't have talents, all that God is expecting us is to have a willing heart that can be used by God. There is a purpose for our existence. There is a purpose for our existence. I believe we heard enough sermons. At times, you know, we prayed enough. We have got a great deal of experience, you know, in our plate. It is time that we need to start building lives around us. And I strongly believe that God is calling all of us into this move of God. And let's get ready as the Lord wants to use our lives. If we need to lay hands on somebody at home, just do not hesitate. Just go and lay hands on them and pray. Maybe you just close your eyes as you lie down in the bed. 
but still let your heart be for someone who is lying down in the other bed who has not received Christ yet. When you take the phone call, the person who are holding the phone on the other side may not know about Lord Jesus, would not have given her life or his life to Lord Jesus Christ. But you as being a child of God on the other end, just pray in your heart as you speak. Pray in your mind, Lord, touch their life, touch his life, touch and change your life. Lord, we'll do it. There are testimonies around us today. As you take that step of faith, Lord will use us in his kingdom to build many temples around us. Let's close our eyes this morning. Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.